0: That was a great moment to begin a a sermon about coming out of your comfort zone because uh, you have, maybe you do have an idea about how hard that was for Ella. Um, I mean, she's up here singing in front of her peers, in front uh, front of family, in front of the church uh, at a highly emotional moment in her life and singing this song that goes from these beautiful, soaring, shouting choruses to a whisper at the end. That is really hard to do. And she did a great job. She really did. She was uh, she was she was a little nervous about that and boy did she do a great job Ella fantastic coming out of her comfort zone we're going to talk about that for a few minutes this morning and and fear not i understand i understand this has been a jam packed service of a lot of great stuff and there is there is the outside possibility that your baptist friends may beat you to the buffet today and if, if you're watching online, now, no cheating, you have to stay right with us too, uh, but I'm going to do my best to, to see if we can uh, we can get through this uh, as quickly uh, but as meaningfully as possible uh, to respect your time, but also to respect God's Word. Coming out of your comfort zone is hard to do. Most, most of us have had to do it many times. You could probably go straight to a moment right now where you had to come out of your comfort zone in a big way uh, and maybe it turned out badly, but maybe it turned out great. Um, there's one that always comes to mind, and 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 I've probably told the story before, uh, but. Back years ago, I used to be in the radio business, and we were doing, I was a uh, program director at a radio station, and we were doing a promotion. It was called uh, Light Rock and More Fun. That was our slogan. We were trying to figure out ways to have fun, so we thought it'd be fun if our afternoon personality jumped out of an airplane and we'd throw money out. And and the thing about that is, it was Jeff Jarnigan, and, and God bless him, he, he was a white knuckle guy he, on, a, on a 747, let alone get in the back of a little four-place plane with a parachute on and and jump and get it on t- camera so that we could run a promotion. And we did. And, and he did it because he's a team player. And I've always respected him so much for that. But what he said was, I will do it, if you will. And I'm like, well, it seemed like a really good idea until right then. Gee, would you look at the time, Jeff? I'll tell you what. Let, uh, um, but I did. And, and so, I, I, you know, I had that dilemma that husbands have whenever they have something important that they need to share with their wife. And so I thought about it and I made really the only logical decision I could make and that was to tell her afterward. Because if something went wrong, I wouldn't be around. It wouldn't matter. And if everything went right, it's okay. It would be a big celebration. So so we did. We ju- actually did it twice and, and got it on camera, got Jeff on camera. But we jumped out. And, and standing on the landing gear of an airplane, holding on to the wing strut, looking down at 4,000 feet of nothing but thin air was as far as I've ever been out of my comfort zone. And I love to fly. And I was a pilot at the time. But I generally stay... In the plane. I'd never been outside the plane before with nothing but the but but air between me and, and a very very hard surface of the runways at the Tullahoma airport which is where we were so i i did and and i thought i got to do this i got to support my friend jeff and so i did jump and and obviously made it it was fine we we did it twice it was and and i've always struggled with self-esteem and some self-confidence issues and that was really important for me to do that it made me feel like that maybe i was a little I, I could do a little more than I thought I, I could. And and it really has fed my life in different ways along the way. Never did it again. I was perfectly content to be in the plane for the rest of my life. But it was something I'm I'm glad I did. But when it was over, I called Lynn from the airport. I said, hey, honey, how are you? Oh, fine. How's your day? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you? Well, <laughs> uh, I wanted to tell you about what I did. I dropped out of an airplane today. And, and she was like, what you... You jumped out of an airplane with a parachute, right? And I said, yes. And she paused. She said, was it on fire? No. Did anybody push you? No. Did you forget that you have two young daughters and a wife? that might not want to live the rest of their lives without you. No, I remember that, dear. But anyway, it worked out fine. It worked out fine. She's here. There she is. And it worked out right. You're okay with it. You got over it, right? She got over it. <laughs> she, she's had to go and get over a lot of stuff. You know, let's not go there. But, coming, but, but it was important to do that for me because it helped me with self-esteem. And I learned two things. One is that you can do things you never thought you were able to do if you have a purpose, for doing it. And the purpose for this was to support my friend who was going to be a part of a promotional uh, uh, series that Gave us the highest ratings we'd ever had before. So that was mission not quite as noble as our mission as Christians today. But it was still a purpose for doing it. And then, but it was the fact of knowing, I prayed all the way up in that airplane. We were coming back to faith at that time. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And you pray like you've never prayed before when you realize you're about to do something that could shorten your life by light years in just one quick second. And, and, and God was there and I could sense His His presence there. And it all worked out fine. But... The thing about it is, if you don't do things, and I'm not saying you need to go jump out of an airplane to do anything crazy, but coming out of our comfort zones are important, but it's very hard. A comfort zone is this place where we choose safety over the fear of the unknown. Psychologists say that we tend to go with conventional wisdom whenever we are in our comfort zone. I've always done this. I'm comfortable here. I'm not comfortable over here. So I'm going to stay here. And it takes more than our conventional wisdom to get us to move out of that into something uh, that could be good for us and could create growth. And by the way, here's a disclaimer. I need to say this, particularly since we have uh, seniors in here, and I want to make sure I draw a distinction. I have, other than jumping out of an airplane, which really isn't a stupid thing to do, it's really pretty safe if you look at the statistics, and there was a purpose for it. But I have done I have done many things where I stepped out of my comfort zone and did something that was absolutely stupid and could have hurt myself and hurt somebody else. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. And we always have opportunities to do things that make us uncomfortable, but we think would be exciting, and we need to really monitor that and not push God to the wall on it? Because what I'm talking about, and where we're going to go for a few minutes, is to talk about coming out of our comfort zone to become all that God has ever created us to be. So we stay in our comfort zones to avoid pain, but then that creates pain because we have regret because we didn't do something. You know, maybe maybe we wanted to go for a job that was a little bit of a stretch for us and we were afraid we couldn't do it. And so we don't and we stay in our comfort zone and we never have that chance to grow. Maybe we we don't take a step in a relationship because we're afraid somebody may not feel the way we feel and that's really scary. But if we sometimes don't take the lead and take a step, then we will miss that growth. Uh, And there are lots of uh, job opportunities, school, things at school, going out for a team or whatever. There are all sorts of opportunities to come out of our comfort zone, and if we don't, we limit ourselves. Look at creation. You know, three months ago, these beautiful leaves that are uh, decorating the trees were just like that. They were little tight buds on the ends of these little sticks that lo- that you could see up against a gray sky in winter. They were they were they were hidden. They were hidden from the light. But then God does what God does. And God calls his creation forth. And suddenly the bulbs, the flowers out of the bulbs start breaking ground. And the the buds that are on the bushes in front of our yard start to open up. And as soon as they're in the light, as soon as they're in the light, the growth starts. And yes, I know there are probably plants that don't like direct sunlight. But work with me here for a minute. Every living thing needs to have light to grow, including you and me. And if we stay in the shadows of our comfort zone our entire lives, we're never going to grow to become what we have been called to be. Growth is always, growth is always just beyond our shadow. We can stay comfortable but we'll probably stay just as we are. And that can be tricky, particularly if we're in a bad spot that we become comfortable with. And we'll talk about more of that in a minute. So so how do we find the courage? How do we find the courage to move forward, to get out of that shadow of our comfort zone and try to go out and become the fullest expression of, of what God has called us to be? Well, I want to read a poem. Isn't that silly? But I'm going to read a poem to you that has been so influential in my life. I love to fly. Like I said, now I, I stay in them. Uh, I was a pilot for a long time. Vertigo has grounded me. But but I still love to fly. And I have since I was a little kid. Um, I've always loved airplanes. And when I was 10 years old, I became aware of a poem. And, and, I, and at 10 years old, I was more into, you know, doing silly things and playing ball and whatever and, and not reading poetry. But this one got me. It was in a Life magazine, and it was by this guy named John Gillespie McGee who was a Canadian fighter pilot. It was in the 40s. And he had this particular flight one day that just was, was transformational to him, and he wrote this poem, and you've probably heard it. And I'm saying all this to get to the last line of the poem. Oh, I have slipped the surely bonds of earth and danced the the skies on laughter-silvered wings. Sunward I've climbed and joined the tumbling mirth of sun-split clouds and done a hundred things you have not dreamed of, wheeled and soared and swung high in the sunlit silence hovering there. I've chased the shouting wind along and flung my eager craft through the footless halls of air. Up! Up the long, delirious, burning blue, I've topped the windswept heights with easy grace, where never lark nor ever eagle flew. And while there, with silent, lifting mind, I've trod the high, untrespassed sanctity of space and put out my hand and touched the face of God. And even at 10 years old, I read that and I thought, man, Maybe that's where God is. Maybe he is up there in the sunlit, the sun-silvered, whatever he said, place of space where you're flying and above the clouds and it's beautiful. But what I've come to realize now as I've gotten older is yes, God is there in fact with people who jump out of planes and people who stay in them and people who go up in rockets and people who do all sorts of daring things. God is there. God is everywhere. God knows exactly what is outside our comfort zone. And whenever we remember that what seems unknown to us, which is what scares us, what seems unknown to us is absolutely known to God, and He goes with us. So, having said all that, I want to draw this in a little bit to what it means to come out of our comfort zone to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn from one who did just that. And his name was Ananias. And this is from the book of Acts in chapter 9. I'm just going to read a little bit of this starting in chapter, uh, verse 10 of chapter 9. So the setup for this is, maybe you've heard the story about Saul, who became Paul. Saul was a Pharisee, and he was persecuting followers of Jesus Christ. They weren't called Christians yet. And he was putting them in prison, and he was punishing them. Uh, and, and he was, as far as he was concerned, he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do as a keeper of the law. He had not yet had an encounter with Christ. But he did on a road from Jerusalem to Damascus. And he fell blind to the ground. That's the setup for this. And so God then started moving the people around him to get his strength back so that his sight would come back. And then he would become Paul, the one who wrote a big part of the the New Testament and planted all these churches. And one of the reasons we're here now is because of what Paul did 2,000 years ago. So... There was this disciple, and his name was Ananias. And he had a fear of the unknown as well. And that unknown for him name was Saul. Let me read the passage. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias... Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask. It's a different Judas. No, don't go there. It was a common name in those days. I uh, asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And I love this. I love the you can see Ananias, you could see the wheels turning in his head. Whoa, 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 God. You know, he's not saying this to God, but he's thinking, Saul, he's he may have known people that Saul threw in prison. He may have had friends that were killed at the orders of Saul. We don't know. But he knew how much trouble Saul had been for the early fledgling church. And he's thinking, Jeepers, Lord. Well, he actually didn't say that. That's in a different translation. But he says, Lord, Ananias answered, I love this. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's like, Lord, are you sure? But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. he got up was baptized and after taking some food had regained his strength man i so identify with ananias ananias was 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 trying to be a good disciple and you know, he probably went to a house church and they worshiped together in that little house church and they sang some psalms together and they heard the word of God preached on the holy day on Sunday. And, and then they were probably going out in the community and doing some things to help other people. He was, he, was, he was in his sweet spot. He was in his comfort zone. And that's exactly where God finds us and that's exactly where God typically won't leave us if we will allow him. And because he was willing to listen, Saul, who knows what would have happened if he'd not had done it. You can always say, well, God would have just called somebody else. Maybe not. That was Ananias' job. God was called to do it. And Ananias went. But there's something really important to remember here, is that Jesus went with him. That power that he had when he laid hands on Saul and his eyesight came back, was the power of the Holy Spirit that went with him when he left. And here's something for us to remember, and I'm speaking to our high school seniors, but I'm speaking to all of us because we all, are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. There are no in-between people. You know, following Jesus is not a spectator sport. We're either in or we're out, and we're all called to be disciples, and we all have something we can do. And here's the deal. God doesn't run us out of our comfort zone. He doesn't come up and go, shoot, Trotter, come on, get out there. I got stuff for you to do. No, no. God doesn't run us out of our comfort zone. He calls us out, and then He goes with us it even happened to Saul if you read that story he's cruising along he's persecuting followers of Jesus and all of a sudden he's just struck blind on the road and falls down in the road and he hears a voice and who is it it's Jesus Saul Saul why are you persecuting me I got better things for you to do dude well okay he didn't say dude but he's I got better things for you to do so I want you to do what I tell you to do and do what these people tell you to do. And this is going to turn out good. Even for Saul, even for Saul, because Saul was in his sweet spot. He was in his comfort zone. He was persecuting people. That's what he was supposed to do. As his job as a high-ranking Jewish official. They were trying to stamp out these followers of Jesus. Saul was in his comfort zone, but Jesus called him out. He didn't run him out. He called him out, and then he went with him. The fear of the unknown is the scariest thing there is, but God knows what's unknown to us and can lead us further. Let me pause for just a minute here um, about how we make this practical. Sometimes we may be called out of our comfort zone to do something. Sometimes we may be called out of our comfort zone to not do something. And this is true for high school seniors. It's true for younger students who are here. It's true for all of us that are a lot older than they are, present company included here. And that is that sometimes we can find a comfort zone seeking fellowship. And we find a group of people. It might be a work. It might be a school. It might be at the gym. It might be a part of, of some political party. It might be a part of some civic group or something else. I don't know. A sports team. Whatever Whatever the uh, the, the gravity is that gr- draws the group together. And we find some fellowship there. And we all need that. But then suddenly, people in this group start saying things that trouble us. And suddenly, people are saying things about other people that they don't even know. And they're speaking very hatefully toward them. Or maybe it's people we've heard of. Boy, I mean, that—that's our news feeds are full of that, of this. And you know, people... People use the word hate speech, and, and I don't like that because sometimes people dismiss it when you use that. But I'm just talking about speaking hatefully toward people. I'm not talking about one particular political group or another. Everybody does it. But Jesus doesn't want us to. And let me go back and read. This is just from when Jesus was having his, uh, giving his Sermon on the Mount. He was talking about adultery. He talked about murder. He talked about being fair with other people. He talked about telling the truth. He talked about a lot of things. But this one is really, really big. Matthew 5, 21-22, Jesus is laying the groundwork for the kingdom. You have heard it said to our people long ago, speaking of the law, that you must not murder anyone. Anyone who murders another will be judged. But I tell you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be judged. If you say bad things to a brother or sister, you will be judged judged. And if you call someone a fool, you'll be in the danger of the fire of hell. Not my words. Jesus' words. And here's why I say this. When we see all the violence that's in our world right now, and every morning when we turn on our news feeds, there's been more violence. There have been more people killed in numerous different ways in numerous different parts of the world, far too many of them in our country. And, 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 And we think what's the use? What are we going to do? Here's something you can do. Here's something I can do. We can come out of our comfort zones in those situations where we're feeling kind of comfortable in a group and we hear some people talking about some other people. Um, and, And I'm not specifically saying that it's somebody who's about to go do violence. But Jesus said what he said about anger To stop it before it ever gets to violence. It's the same thing he said about committing adultery. If your right eye causes you to sin, poke it out. And the point is, stop it before it ever starts. Don't ever let it get to the illicit affair point. Stop it when the impulse comes. And it's the exact same thing with anger. Don't let yourself get out of control and start railing on people or being a part of a group It's starting to rail against somebody or some individual or some group or whatever it may be. And everybody, not everybody does it, but there are groups with all sorts of perspectives. There are people within those groups that do it. And sometimes you have to come out of your comfort zone to say, I'm not going to do it. If I have to give up being in this group, y'all, I can't, I can't go there. That's an opportunity for us to make a stand. And remember, Jesus is not running us out of our country, uh, comfort zone. He's calling us out. He's calling us out of those situations so we can do something better. He calls us out of the safe place because that's where life is. And I'll end with this quick story. When our first daughter was born, it was a, it was a tricky birth. Uh, Lynn pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, pushed. she had an epidural going and then uh, Lauren just wasn't ready come show herself yet. So the doctor said, well, let's turn the epidural off and let you push a little more. And so she did. And then uh, they had the little fetal monitor in Lauren's little scalp and started showing some erratic heart rate. So the doctor said, you know what? We really just need, we don't have to do an emergency C-section. We just need to do a C-section. We need to get, a little we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. We had no idea. We need to get your your son or your daughter born right now. So, so we went back into the place where they do that and I was sitting next uh, with Lynn. I could, her, her head was there and then they had a drape so I couldn't see anything else because they probably knew I'd be out like a light if I did. But as soon as they started making the incision, she, she could feel it. The epidural didn't come back fully. Long story short, they worked very quickly and got Lauren, because they didn't want to give her anesthesia until they cut the cord, because they didn't want Lauren to have the anesthesia. So as soon as, as soon as Lauren was born, they cut the cord and put Lynn out. And so Lauren had sucked a little meconium down, and she's screaming. And I'm sitting there with this camera around my neck. A camera. You can Google it. It was a camera. This was... <laughs> This was 37 years ago. So I think, right, Lynn, 37 years ago with Lauren? Yeah. So so Lynn's asleep. Lauren's screaming. I'm sitting there looking kind of befuddled. And this nurse, this precious nurse, sized everything up, and she kind of sucked that stuff out of Lauren as best she could, and Lauren was just screaming. And preface to this, I forgot to tell you this, all during the pregn- pregnancy, I sang to Lynn's belly. I would get my guitar and sing to her belly, and I would talk to her belly constantly. Didn't know a name yet, but I, but I talked constantly to her belly right up until delivery day. So, so the nurse comes over to me, and she said, I think your daughter needs you. So she took my camera, and she handed me Lauren. And this blessed nurse had the wherewithal and the presence of mind to take this picture. And that is Lauren, and I started talking to her. I was going, Lauren, it's Daddy. She knew who I was, but I was talking to her and singing low, and she recognized my voice, and her eyes popped open, and she stopped crying and that was the that was the moment we met and she didn't know who i was but she recognized my voice and it gave her some sort of calm courage whatever it allowed her it changed the moment and she was as calm as she could be for the next little while till they gave her a bath and not too keen on that <laughs> but that's this is this is Coming out of our comfort zone is like a birth. It's like we're, we're born into this new opportunity. And God has one for you and he has one for me every day. He has opportunities for us. And it may mean that we have to come out because there's no, there's no better comfort zone than in our mama's womb uh, where it's comfortable and it's warm and it's soft and we're safe. But we can't stay there. We won't grow. And so God calls us and we hear his voice and we respond and then we start to grow, and we start this journey of life. And we can rejoin that journey anywhere along the way. When we get stuck in our comfort zone, just remember, God doesn't run us out of our comfort zone. God calls us out of our comfort zone, and we'll recognize his voice. And then he will go with us, and you will do great things, and I will do great things, and we will take our place, just like all the disciples have for 2,000 years. And we will turn this world upside down. And brothers and sisters, it needs it. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for your love that will not let us stay the way we are, for your love that's constantly calling us to do more, to be more, to be all that you've created us to be. Help us, Lord, to remember that when we feel that nudge, we know that you'll lead the way, and you'll be there with us. And whatever we are afraid of, especially the stuff we don't know about, you do know about. And you'll guide us, and you'll protect us. Lord, thank you for never letting us settle, but always calling us to do more and to be more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org.